Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. The Natural Hat Trick with Luke Lipinski, Craig Morgan, and Jamie Eisner. Welcome into episode 207 of the Natural Hattrick Podcast alongside Craig Morgan. Natty Hetty. And Matt Lehman. Hello. That's a solid Seinfeld reference. Yeah. (laughs) Who would say it's such a thing? Jamie Eisner's not here, if that's what you're asking. Not here. Don't expect him today. So just enjoy. Dear listeners, you're free for a week. Enjoy a good show, a, a show Packed full of topics with uh, with everything that happened in free agency and the Coyotes trade and the offer sheet and obviously and Paul we'll, Fenton. Paul, <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know that we're going to be able to figure him out. We need like a psychologist in here for that. But we're going to start with the most important thing: the results of our poll question as to which shirt people want us to make. Number one with forty one percent of a, a pretty significant chunk of votes. Nonlinear progression one. I'm a little depressed. I am too. That reality, to be honest. I wouldn't even have put it on the list, actually. I'm I'm a little disappointed in you all. (laughs) I felt like, where's your duck? Should have carried the day, but... Where's your duck? I thought was automatic. There's no accounting for taste, so we'll deliver, right? Oh, absolutely. I'm going to deliver a nonlinear progression shirt that people can order and a where's your duck. They had the top two votes. Where's your duck? I'm working on the... Yeah, you got to say it with the... uh, the Is there any way to... Have that come through on a T-shirt? Really isn't. I'll, I'll, I'll try. Can't convey that. Well, you know those like Christmas shirts where you push the button and it plays a song. This is what I'm talking about. Okay. I think I mentioned this. We do need a button. That's that might be a little bit more work. Um, we had some good write-ins. We'll get to those later on in the show. But I just want to give the poll results. Matt, do you have any idea what we're talking about right now? Yeah, yeah, okay. I do. I actually like the nonlinear progression. What? You're probably I, I think it'd be fun that... to have like a little line graph made out of hockey sticks or something. You know, your little bromance with Jamie's getting a little annoying. <laughs> It's a little old. Um, all right. Did we you do- vote in the poll? Uh, I don't remember. I don't remember. <laughs> that's a yes. Remember. That's oh, a definite. Oh, he stacked very, it. Very the reason nonlinear one. I actually blocked the Natty Hattie on Twitter. That's so. Right. <laughs> so okay. Well, where is? Uh, do we know where Jamie is? Is he with one of his nine wives? Do we ever believe him when he tells us where he's going no, anyway? Not really. That's why I was wondering. Hey, he told me where he was going. I want to know if we actually know where. At he least is. a good chance he's in court somewhere. <laughs> They were going to say quartzite, but you went with court instead. No. All right, let's start with that offer sheet. We never believed it would happen. It finally did, uh, kind of. And it, yeah, when it did, it was kind of disappointing. Yeah, um, but I want credit for this. I did say if somebody was going to get offer sheeted a week ago, I said specifically it will be Sebastian Ajo. Did I not say that on, on these very airwaves? God, I admire you. <laughs> That's all I wanted. That's all I ever <laughs> want from Craig. But 
so Montreal does it, and they make it such an easy number for Carolina to match. They basically did Carolina's negotiating for them. Yeah, and, and I've read analyses that have suggested that th- th- they figured that there was this tipping point. If, if you if you cross that threshold where it requires another first round pick, it probably wasn't enough to dissuade Carolina from matching it. They didn't think it would make much of a difference. Okay, so you pretty much thought Carolina was going to match it in the first place. Yeah. So why'd you do it? I, <laughs> okay, it's not like I, that's I some a lot big of rivalry. About this, right? If you thought they were going to match it, then why'd you do it? Uh, I have a definite thought as to why they did it. I think this is pure marketing. Look, we tried. We're trying to make the team better because so many people in that fan base have been complaining about them having all this cap space unused. We tried. Not really, but you know, we're hoping you'll believe that we tried yeah. to get Sebastian Ajo. When you look at other teams that were probably in much more vulnerable positions. Now, maybe you're just in love with the player and you think this this was the guy we wanted, but... There are other teams, again, that were in more vulnerable positions like Tampa Bay with Braden Point. You think you could have made an offer for one of those guys. And then the other side of this is, could you not have taken that a little bit higher? Are you telling me Ajo's not worth another first-round pick if they decide not to match it? Yeah, that, they weren't even going up to like the Marner range we've been talking about where you'd yeah. have to give up all those first-round picks. It was just an additional one, which... No, I would, especially if you add Ajo and you're Montreal and you you feel like you were a borderline playoff team last year anyway, that's going to be, what, like the 20th pick in the draft, maybe? Yeah. I, I'm glad somebody did it. I'm glad we finally saw somebody offer sheet somebody. Maybe this will open the door for more of these in the future. We aren't going to see another year like this, though, where there were so many of them mm-hmm. available. But at least maybe this makes it an option. I just I found it curious that they didn't, they didn't offer a number, like you're saying, that made it realistic they were actually going to get him. Like, we've advocated for this on this show since the start of this show, 206 episodes ago or whatever. It's the only thing Jamie and I have ever agreed on. This should be a way to make your team better. So I want to see offer sheets, but I don't want to see it just just to market to your fans or just to drive up the price for of another team's player. I want to see you do it when you actually feel like you could get that player. Do you think it drove up the price? I mean, no. I think he's worth this. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah. there's the upfront money, and maybe they thought, yeah, maybe they had some reason to believe that Tom Dunn wasn't going to pay that money. He's going to pay that money. Just, I mean, look at how much bad money he threw into a joke of a football league. <laughs> well, I, you know, I heard. Of course, some, he's trying to recoup some of that through a lawsuit. Well, he should. Yeah, I, I heard. Of course, why not? Why wouldn't he? There, there was a good point Weird. made yesterday about because um, you're talking about driving up the price. There's the opposite approach to that too, which is maybe they're trying to to set the market low for a player of that ilk. Um, I, you know, kind of a kind of a long shot theory there. I don't know if there's any truth to that. But Collusion. There, there, well, there is an anchoring effect to some of these contracts. Yes. And if you lock in Aho for that price, Montreal themselves has some young forwards that are going to need new deals in a couple of years. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. That, that's that's fair. And there, there, I've even heard it suggested that when Aho becomes a free agent in five years, Montreal will have the inside track because they did this for him. What? <laughs> Yeah, that's a long time from now. That's pretty far fetched. I want to go back though, and I've heard what Matt was saying too. That that would be that'd be so awkward when Montreal is negotiating with one of their players and they're like, well, look what Aho got from Carolina. Like you set that number. That's not how this works. <laughs> My favorite part of this though was Montreal tweeting out that they had offer sheeted Carolina from the team account, which all I could just picture was Mark Bergevin being the guy like that took control of their Twitter account that day. And then Carolina tweeting back, hey, we're going to match it, and tagging Montreal in the tweet. It was yeah. it was about as petty as it could get. I really enjoyed it. Will we match the offer sheet? Yes or we? Oui. I love that. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's fantastic. 
They have been so good at this. They all year. really have. Uh, by the way, on, on this topic, in terms of the money that he's going to make, the two biggest surprises to me, I guess, are the money that Sebastian Ajo is going to make and the money, aside from all the bad contracts, right? Yeah. The money that Matt Duchesne made. We all thought he was going to be north of $10 million and it didn't come in that high. So I get age factors into this when you're talking about free agents and I don't think people recognize the impact that that has. But Jeff Skinner signed for $9 million. Is Jeff Skinner worth more to you than Sebastian Ajo? No. No way. No, not even close. No way. No. So a little weird. Yeah, I, I do feel like some of these. I, I do feel like some of these contracts are out of whack this year compared to each other. Sebastian Ajo versus Kevin Hayes. Yeah, the um, Kevin Hayes deal was. I, I really truly feel like the Coyotes dodged one there. Not bring, and it's not a knock on Kevin Hayes, but I, don't I don't, think they were going to dodge him. I mean, they they had a number that they were willing to go to. I think it was six million. Yeah, they weren't going to go higher than yeah, that. I, so I'm fine not having Kevin Hayes on the team. It's not, a, and I don't mean that as a knock on him. But Philadelphia, as much as we all think they're going to be better this year, you can only get away with overpaying guys for so long before it comes <laughs> back two to two straight money. years. Yeah, I mean, this is like a tradition now. I can't really make fun of Philadelphia because Pittsburgh. I don't know what they're doing. We'll get to them later on in the show. But the uh, the quote from Bergevin. Sebastian Ajo accepted our offer. He wants to come to Montreal. He sees our youngsters coming up in the organization. He wants to be a part of that. We're proud, but there's still a waiting period, unquote. And then Tom Tom Dundon responding, quote, if he said it, it would be different, but he didn't. The fact that an agent said it means there's no credibility to it, unquote. (laughs) No credibility. That's pretty good, actually. (laughs) In fairness, Gary Johans is not one of these agents who's out there like, pimping his name all the time. He's not one of those guys, but he's an agent. He represents his sole goal here is to make more money for his client. Yes. So remember that whenever you read anything that he says, Sebastian Ajo probably would have been okay if Montreal had paid him. It doesn't mean he doesn't want to play in Carolina. And and let's not forget that the biggest driving force here was to get him the money. Yeah. That's what was behind all this. Yeah. He's happy that they did this so that he could make the money he's making now. I feel like in years past, or like, I guess there really hasn't been that many of these, but when Ryan O'Reilly has, when he got his offer, she was kind of awkward when he went back to Colorado. And now it doesn't, it, I don't think that's going to be the case here with with Sebastian Ajo. I think it's just going to kind of be a blip on the radar because it's such a weird, it, this one's such a weird scenario. It doesn't feel like Montreal's really trying to pry him away. It was just like they were, this is almost like when you offer a trade in fantasy football and you hope that the guy you're trading with accidentally clicks accept when the offer is just <laughs> terrible. You want to play conspiracy theory here? Let's do this. Let's look at it from this angle. If Carolina decides to hold Montreal hostage for the maximum allowable days before they match the offer, it could really put a, a crimp in Montreal's ability to do anything else in free agency, right? <laughs> so maybe Montreal thought, well, you know, they want us to spend this money, but here's a way that we don't have to spend That's, money. That is devious. <laughs> I was Well, I was just talking to um, our basketball writer, Kevin Zimmerman, at Arizona Sports yesterday about um, restricted free agency and offer sheets in the NBA. And he was saying that a, a lot of times they don't happen in the NBA for that very reason, because it's a huge risk for those teams, and teams will hold each other hostage like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. This is a weird one because, like I said, I don't feel like Montreal drove up the price. But, yeah, there's there's going to be some pettiness here. Yeah. And, and you know what? If I'm Carolina, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you at this point? You tried to take one of our players. There's no need to, to play nice about this. Yeah, you're going to match it, but why not take all the days? All right, so that was a weird story. Not as weird, though, as Minnesota, who signed Matt Zuccarello and then... 
Paul Fenton gave one of the weirdest quotes I've ever heard about anything. <laughs> Quote, I told him when I was talking to him that he's like a lizard, the way a lizard takes his tongue and sticks it as far as it does and retrieves what it was trying to do. Unquote. And that, uh, that got the, it worked. They got Matt Zuccarello. Out of that. <laughs> yeah. He didn't he didn't turn around and run when he heard that. It's I don't I'm, even know what it means. I, I mean if he had said retrieves the puck or retrieves the object it's trying to get, but retrieves what it was trying to do was Yeah, like there was a task in front I, of it and what's you know oh, a, a, I think I can help here. Who is that? Jamie? Well, I, I believe that your phone line stuck out their tongue as far as it could go, and they reached out to save the show <laughs> oh, with my presence. Lord. Who let him on? How did he get on here? Is this your doing, Matt? I know some people. I, I have nothing it's, to do with this. I know you and Matt have a special relationship. Jamie did makes he, great uh, points, but not that great. I wouldn't bring him on no, the show. It's not, worth, <laughs> not worth talking to him. That, that, that's hurtful. Matt yeah. knows I can hear him, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, you know the listeners can hear you, right? <clears throat> oh, I'm well aware. Uh, I just have to ask, what was the first number that you called to get into the show? Because I feel like when we gave you a number, it was not this number. It was not this number. I don't know. It, it was like loud screeching, and they they were very condescending. Asked me who I was. Didn't know who I was. It was very. It was it was traumatizing. Uh, yeah, behind the scenes, when Jamie asked for the number, we gave him the number to a hat store, the Heritage Hat oh, Store, yes. to be exact. They have hat stores. Yeah. yeah, it's a heritage okay. hat store, though, not just hats. Oh. I don't think you can get modern hats there. No, based on the pictures online, it was just like yeah. hats from the 30s. And you want a fedora, you want a top hat, this is your place. That was the place. So did you order any, Jamie? Because we were hoping you would try to explain yourself that you were going to be on the Natural Hat Trick podcast and they were going to get angry and hang up, which is kind of what it sounds like happened. I didn't even get two words out before they got angry and hung up on me. So Wow. Maybe we're not yeah. the first people to do this to so, the Heritage Hat Store. What I'm hearing is that they probably will not sponsor the podcast. Yeah. Or or they know Jamie, and they were just like, yeah. they probably have the number. A lot of people there. probably respond to him that way when yeah. he calls. He's on caller ID for a lot of people. Yeah. J- Jamie, where are you? Uh, I'm in Kansas City scouting out all the arenas the Coyotes were supposed to play in. <laughs> <laughs> wow. On the show for four minutes and already Look at infuriating that. everybody. Fueling the relocation rumors. Are you are you happy that we uh, we had you on just in time to talk about the Minnesota Wild? Uh, you know, there have been happier moments in my life, particularly all of them, but sure. I mean, I'm here. Specifically I in. all of them. <laughs> I dealt with hat harassment. You know, I'm, I've, got to, I've gotten this far. <laughs> and so the show is named <laughs> you Hat seen, Harassment. Yeah, I have to write that down. You should have seen Craig giggling like a child when, when I gave him the number to the Heritage Hat Store. Accurate. Hat harassment. Uh, Jamie, I know you don't have a whole lot of time because you're doing whatever it is you do on these trips. What do you want to talk about? This is your moment. Well, I, I, I already heard that I, I didn't get to be on the beginning of the show. I'm just I'm just in the middle. So have you guys already talked about the, the one offer sheet that doesn't matter anymore? Yes. Yeah, we talked about the important things yeah. before you came. Yeah, the, yeah. that was by design. Uh, that, that's fair. Okay. But, yeah, I, I should have probably realized that. So I have a question for you, actually. Does Is the idea of delivering... Uh, the alimony check in person, is that just like personalized service for you? Is that what it is? That's what behind this, well, see, this whole thing? Well, see, UPS is expensive. Okay. Um, and, you know. And a flight's not? Me, I mean, or do you drive? Uh, do you well, take a bus? Greyhound? Points, points. Greyhound points. Yeah, I take a Greyhound. Yeah, I take a Greyhound. <laughs> is there I, I such a, a thing? I, no. I, I was a little be. late. I was a little late. Actually, no, I, I skipped town. On like a, I jumped on a train that was coming through Kansas City here. And 
I was a little late, so twenty, you know, overnight shipping on UPS is expensive. So this you all know, checks just hop out. Hop on a rail car. Yeah, <laughs> you hopped on a rail car. Yeah. Now we really, we're really getting to Did the you truth have of it. Now. Like a knapsack over your yeah, shoulder on a stick. Say, Did you have friends when you hopped into the rail car? Um, I did. Uh, they didn't make it. Okay. They didn't make it. Wow. This took a harsh no, turn. They, they, they weren't as good at leaping. That's, oh, okay. that's hard to believe. It's too bad because I really wanted to understand the language that appears on the sides of trains, and I thought maybe you'd have some insight into that, but apparently you know, no, no. they didn't survive. The no. Trip, so. um, no. I, I, this is much more interesting than talking about, about the Minnesota Wild, which that doesn't really say a whole lot. We have five more minutes to kill, and we won't have him involved in any meaningful well, I can conversations. Well, just hang up actually, on him. We can so give him a number true. to another at store. Uh, Jamie, what you, would you think of the Phil Kessel trade, though, since this is going to be your one chance to talk about it? So it's interesting to me. Uh, I, I thought the the price they had to pay was a little bit higher than I expected. I, I thought the Penguins had and Rutherford had kind of boxed themselves into a corner there with Kessel, and especially with the veto trade to Minnesota. Yeah, they do uh, that. But but there's no, there's no doubt that having Kessel on the team improves them. He fills an area of need in the short term. Uh, I was just a little surprised that they were willing to, to move on from Galchenyuk and, and P.O. Joseph at that point, but as we've talked about before, you have to give something to get something. Uh, and so they definitely improved in the short term, but I'm surprised they had to pay the price that they had to pay to get him. Do we want to get into Kessel right now or Why just not? hang up on Jamie? We, we can, <laughs> or both. Yeah. both uh, one's going to happen very soon. But I mean, and with Kessel, the other thing with Galchenyuk, the point to note is that he would have been a UFA in a yeah. year. So what is he going to look like on yeah. the open market? So. That that was my. I mean, I obviously have a, an odd perspective on this, having grown up a Penguins fan and and being as close to the Coyotes now, and wanting them both to succeed. I actually thought this trade would benefit both sides because the Coyotes need a player like Kessel, and the Penguins needed cap space. But the Penguins then blew that cap space on Brandon Tanev. So oh, you, no, you, that was their grand plan. Yeah, I, I, I honestly thought we this, know this trade helped both teams, and then I realized that Jim Rutherford wasn't having any of that. it. Had the chance, he had the chance to execute a. A better offseason, and then he signed Brandon Tanev. I feel like he listens to this show, and every year when the summer hits, and I say this is the one player I feel bad for whatever team signs him, Jim Rutherford then purposely goes out and signs him, a la Jack Johnson a year ago. <laughs> Nobody? True, but Rick, Rick, Moore's probably, Rick Moore's probably happy. <laughs> he does. He, he really did want Brandon Tanev somewhere. Um, what else you got, Jamie, before you go? How's your trip treating you? Trips treat me really well, uh, but I do have one question for Craig. Uh, I want to know. Oh I just want to know how he feels about his new goaltender. About my new goaltender? Yes. Oh, see, yeah. well, I mean, you knew he was going to insult everybody. <sighs> I mean, there's there's a side of this where you say, can you? Corey Crawford's had some issues the last couple of years. There's no other way to put that. So, can you rely on him? So, spending whatever it is, eleven million dollars on two goalies, sounds a little excessive, but it's for one year. I'd be. Here's here's what I would say, Jamie. You broke Craig. Robin Leonard is not the greatest issue facing the Blackhawks. We all know what the greatest issues are facing the Blackhawks. It is uh, Stan Bowman, number one, and by proxy, uh, Brent Seabrook, number two. Those are the discussions that we need to continue to have. They they couldn't improve elsewhere because of Brent Seabrook's contract. Would I have spent that much money on Robin Leonard, a backup? Probably not. But it's not the most egregious mistake that they've made. And, and you know, it's, the other thing about the Blackhawks, when, when I look at their additions this offseason, they get Calvin DeHaan, they get Ole Mata with all kinds of dots over the top of those A's, by the yeah. way. That's just a lot of dots. 
and Andrew Shaw. Andrew Shaw again. Back again. They're they're we're, yes. Is it an umlaut of dots? Yeah. Oh boy. Wow. Okay. Is it time for you to leave? Yeah. Don't you have to go somewhere? I I am not uh, wowed by the Blackhawks offseason. Let me just say that I'm not wowed. I have read some things saying, oh, these were smart moves. I just don't think this team's any better. I don't think this team's any better. He's reaching for the cowbell. Ah, there it is. There it is. That's all I needed. You're going to go out on a high note. Have a good rest of the trip wherever you are. Uh, I will try and let Matt know he makes great points. Thank you. I appreciate that, Jamie. That's obviously not going to happen. All right. Bye, Jamie. (laughs) That was fun hanging up on Jamie. Oh, no. Actually, I locked him on. But he can hear us. We can't hear him. So this is really the perfect scenario. Uh, let's go back to the Kessel trade since we okay. obviously have to get into that in a, in a pretty big way. <clears throat> I'm, I'm actually going to b- agree with Jamie since he's not here and he'll never know. My first reaction was that's it's a good trade for the Coyotes. I'm, I was surprised at first they had to give up Galchenyuk and Joseph, not mm-hmm. because Kessel's not worth it, but just because the Penguins, it was so obvious that they had to trade Kessel, especially with that article that came out like the day before. And it was pretty obvious they had to trade him to Arizona because he was going to block trades to most other cities. Right. Well, yeah, he had had like all the division rivals on his list yeah. and Two teams that couldn't afford him and the Coyotes. And the Coyotes. So he was coming to the Coyotes. But yeah. to your point, Craig, Galchenyuk's a UFA at the end of, of this upcoming season. So you traded a guy you only have locked up for one year. Pierre-Olivier Joseph, I do think, can help the Penguins because, well, they don't have any defensemen behind Chris Letang, yeah. either at the NHL level or AHL level. Yeah, and he's not ready to step into the NHL yet. He's just too slight at this point. He yeah. was, was going to play in the AHL here. Um, but if he fills out... He's a pretty fluid skater. He's got some puck moving skills. I think P.O. Joseph's upside is as a second pair of defensemen. But I don't think the Coyotes needed him. And I can't no, help right. but wonder if they drafted Soderstrom knowing this might happen. Uh, maybe. Maybe they saw. But you, uh, And Rick Tockett did say that this uh, all the trade talk started heating up at the draft in Vancouver with Kessel. I mean, they've been talking, obviously, for a long time. But they never got to the point where they thought something was coming. It started heating up. So maybe they knew that. But the other thing to keep in mind is the Coyotes have drafted – Ten defensemen over the last three seasons. One of them they let go, but they have some depth there in their system. Yeah, so the fact that they do have so many young defensemen in the organization, yeah, I would say it definitely softens the fact that you lose P.O. Joseph. Going back to Galchenyuk, I would say that that surprised me too um, for two reasons. Number one, the whole reason you got Kessel was to improve your forward group. Now, they did that regardless of whether or not Galchenyuk was going the other way. But if you add a good forward and lose a decent forward, then obviously the incremental increase in the improvement to your forward group is lessened. Um, yeah. The other part that surprised me about that is they've only had Galchenyuk for one season. Yeah. And, you and know, he was injured at the start. And of he season. was injured, and they've talked about how he scored 30 goals in the past, and he has potential. And he, he was a name on that list of guys where they said this guy could take a step forward. Yep, and that was and that's a narrative that a team pushes when they have a player. <laughs> yeah, and then it changes true. when he's gone. That's yeah, true. but he's he's much younger, so yeah. the age concerns you. It should look Kessel's going to be thirty two in October, and he hasn't shown any signs of slowing down at this point. So maybe it'll work out since he's got three years left on his deal. But that's a concern with when Alex is twenty five. You've got a a lot of time with Alex. Maybe he does realize that potential, and you rue this trade down the road. But there there are plenty of concerns with Kessel too. Look. A lot of the stories that you'll hear about Phil Castle from previous cities are trumped up by media and fans. Some of it's probably real. There's probably some difficulty in coaching Phil Kessel, and you really hope that Rick Tockett's relationship with him helps smooth those wrinkles. But the head coach-player dynamic is a lot different than the assistant coach-player dynamic. Is Rick going to have the time for this? And if he doesn't, 
how does that impact the way Phil is received in the locker room, the way he, he just acts? You know, we don't know. How is his impact in the locker room going to impact a softer-spoken captain like OEL? Sidney Crosby's not in this locker room, a guy who automatically commands respect. OEL's a softer-spoken guy. I have other questions. You know, which center is going to make him happier? There's no Sidney Crosby or Ev- Evgeny Malkin on this roster. Yeah. Is he going to be happy with any of those guys? It's. Uh, I think there's a trade-off on a few levels, um, and those are legitimate concerns. You know, you look at the markets he's played in prior to this, and I asked him this the other day. I mean, he's played in Boston, Toronto, and Pittsburgh. So those are all very passionate hockey markets. Pittsburgh is a little more passionate but positive than Boston and Toronto. If things start to go south with you in Boston or Toronto, you're going to hear about it until basically you get run out of town, which yeah. is what has happened. And then happened. when you get run out of town, they'll, they'll in Boston in particular, they'll just crush you. Yeah. So I mean, there must have been a stretch there in like 2010 where he had been run out of Boston, so they were ripping him, and he was in Toronto, so they were ripping him. So he's he's dealt with much uh, more high-pressure situations. I mean, it's a guy with 823 points in 996 mm-hmm. games. And the, the, the big names the Coyotes have gotten in the past have either been just contracts like Marion Hossa or Pavel Datsuk or Chris Pronger, guys that were never going to play for them, or they were guys like Brett Hall that were going to play like five games at the very end of their career. <laughs> yes. This yes. is a legitimate goal scorer. Yeah. Hey, well, let's bring in Tony Amante, but not get him a center who can get him the puck. <laughs> but but not the that, real Tony out. Amante. Yeah. So this is a legitimate goal scorer they brought in, but there is going to be, he's going to have to adjust. I I wondered about this when Tockett first got here, how he was going to adjust to not having Malkin and Crosby and winning cups. Kessel's going to have to adjust to the fact that they most teams don't have centers like that. So I'm interested to see who he plays with, because he's used to playing with guys that can score 40 or 50 goals. Mm-hmm. A lot of questions there. And, and you have to ask this question, too. Look, this team was ready to make the next move. They need to make the playoffs next season anyway. It's been too long. It's been seven seasons, which is just an eternity for a fan base to wait. And they were four points off with all the injuries. We've talked about all those angles. But they've got a new owner coming in. Was part of this to make a splash with the new owner coming in? Hey, it's it's a it's a new direction for the Coyotes. Look what we've done in the offseason. It's okay. That's okay to do that from a marketing perspective, but you have to make sure that it's going to work. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I see it as definitely uh, – I mean, Kessel signed for three years. This, I guess, on some level is, is flexing your muscle that, hey, not only were we not anywhere near the cap floor before, but we're willing to – to add salary to that as well now. But I don't think they would have like chased down Kessel if Pittsburgh wasn't willing to trade him or if he wasn't very adamant that this was where he was coming. Yeah. So I don't think they would have gone out of their way for it just for that reason, but they were definitely looking to add a scorer. I mean, that was they've added Kessel him. and Soderberg. Rick loves him. Rick wants him. So. Yeah. And, and the number. The numbers for, for, for Phil Kessel on that number, it's unbelievable, right? Take a look at what happened, what, what we just talked about in free agency. Phil Kessel or Kevin Hayes? It's not close. Seriously? Yeah. And yeah. Kessel's making less. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so it's it's crazy. Okay, so we legitimately do have a lot to get through here. Craig? I think I should apologize for that. So No, I, I like what you did. You went through 14 of the most... <laughs> Most notable teams here in, in free agency. I tried to limit it. I did get under half of the NHL yeah, just, teams. Just so I felt like half. I had to get under half, otherwise it would have just looked silly. But you went through... And I color-coded them. You did color-code them. You weren't going to mention that. So I was, was going to mention it right here. Yeah. Uh, you, one of you said that. You, you went through... Well, <laughs> a little hurtful. <laughs> it, was, it was implied. 
you went through and, and two went, extra keystrokes noted yeah. well at least yeah. and then you got, you got the colors to match the teams too it wasn't like Colorado's more of a brick Plenty red of Chicago in there. yeah yeah um, you went through every every team's biggest acquisitions and losses so this ha- probably took a while and then with that in mind we'll humor you and talk I about also had things. umlauts over the A's and Olimata do you I don't yeah. see him oh, come on oh you're right well that's it is a, a lot of umlauts it really is yeah so I guess let's start with Colorado. Okay. Since we've already kind of went through Arizona. Yeah, I don't think we need to really talk about Carl Soderberg. We've talked about that already, and they got Lawson Krauss in the fold. I like how And you... their biggest acquisition, Alex Morell. Yeah, I like that you put that in there. <laughs> and that's true. Uh, quickly on Krauss, though. I mean, mm-hmm. that was a deal they were always going to get done. What a contract. Yeah. What a contract. That's a really good contract. I was talking to somebody about this a month or so ago. Somebody that's pretty connected in the world of hockey, and they were looking at, at, at the Coyotes, and they were you know, kind of going through the roster with me, and they're like, Lawson Kraus is somebody to keep an eye on. Not in the sense that he's going to be a 30-goal scorer, but he have 11 last year. Mm-hmm. He's a, a high first-round pick from that coveted 2015 class, and he's not, he's not in the, the group with like Barzal and any of those other potential Hall of Famers that got drafted <laughs> around him. The 20 guys that are already killing it's it. It's unbelievable, that <laughs> class. Yeah. But he's got size. He's got speed. If if you're one of those people that wants to see physicality, I mean, he will stand up for his teammates, but he also can score. He can play up and down the lineup. So mm-hmm. Talkett, who loves that sort of being the ability to mix and match, you can put Kraus with almost anybody to get him on the deal they got him on. Like I said, he's not going to be a 30-goal guy, but it wouldn't shock me if he got like 17 or 18 one of these years. In addition to doing everything else he does, that's pretty valuable. He's a really s- smart guy, too. I, don't, he, I hope he comes out of his shell a little bit more because when you get him one-on-one, yeah, he's, he's a really bright he guy, good. and he is. Yeah. He's, he can really analyze the situation. I want to see this guy get a chance. You know, and I, I had a story up on The Athletic. Just It's silly to think about lines at this point, and I admitted that to Rick Tockett when I twisted his I didn't twist his arm actually that wouldn't have gone well for me probably not right I'm more fight. let's just say I begged to to do the story because I knew there'd likely. be interest in it and he finally played along and one of the possibilities that he talked to me about was playing Schmaltz with Kessel because they're both so great off the rush and how much fun would that be yeah imagine Lawson Krauss on the other wing I, I read he can your skate story with those guys yes he can skate with them and and he said in that story you kind of have to have a guy on, on each line that's willing to be selfless. Yep. And Krauss Sacrifice is that's a little bit. absolutely that guy. Mm-hmm. I, I want to see that line. Lawson Krauss kind of epitomizes John Scheich's approach to drafting and developing young players, I yeah. would say, in the sense that if, if you've observed the Coyotes, this year was an example of it, too, where he went out and got Victor Soderstrom, and when he's talking to the media and explaining the logic behind some of the things he does, he often uses the phrase... We're getting players that are hard to acquire otherwise outside of the draft. And Lawson Krause, Luke, you mentioned that he's not in that category with maybe, you know, like a Matt Barzal or something. And hockey fans might look at that and go, well, then he was picked too high because he was an 11th, I think, 11th overall pick. Yeah, yeah and, they, and, and they didn't draft him, in fairness. Florida did, but yeah. That's true. Yeah, they, they didn't draft him, but nonetheless, they, they acquired him. And he was an 11th overall pick, and you go, well, he only scored 11 goals in his third season. And and the idea there isn't so much about going out and, and drafting goal scorers or, or you know the like. It's more about getting those players that can play the 200-foot game, that can skate well, that can be physical, that can be smart on the ice, be responsible with the puck. And those guys are a lot harder to find. This weekend, John Schaika went out and traded for Phil Kessel. Mm-hmm. You can trade for Phil Kessel. Mm-hmm. He traded for Lawson Krauss, too, in fairness, but back when he was a prospect and back before maybe everybody realized that he was what he is now. Basically took on a, that was yeah. just taking on a contract, right, to get Krauss? Dave Bolin. Yeah. 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 And and in fairness to Krauss, too, his second NHL season wasn't an NHL season. He spent 
the vast majority of it in the minor leagues. And I think he got better game, to work on his that. puck game. That's yeah. exactly what they wanted him to do, and he did it. I mean, I've talked to him about that before, and like you said, when you get him one on one, he's he's pretty astute with that stuff, and he's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I didn't want to go down there, but it's still hockey, and I wanted, and I just took it as motivation and an opportunity to get better, and he definitely was better last year. Oh yeah. So that's the Coyotes. Now I should mention too, the Rangers are the team that we were kind of discussing which team has been the most fascinating this offseason. I think it's the Rangers. We're going to talk to uh, Rick Carpinello of the Athletic New York later on in the show. So we're, we'll hold off on the Rangers until we have Rick on. Let's go to Colorado, who has added Jonas Donskoy from the Sharks. You all right over there, Craig? Yeah, like I'm good. Run out the door. Uh, the biggest one, though, is Nazem Kadri. Because that that's a trade that I think it helps Colorado. It Definitely helps Toronto. It, can we talk about how Toronto managed to pull this off? Toronto's going to win with the, cup the help this year. of a couple teams with, that should not have helped a them. A lot out. of teams helped Toronto. Give Toronto credit. Carolina and Ottawa helped them out. Ottawa really helped them out. Oh, Why is Ottawa helping I have Toronto? No earthly idea. They're winning the cup. Yeah, Toronto's winning the cup. They I, might. I love both those additions for them. Tyson Berry and Alex Kerfoot both are going to be huge for them. You're essentially replacing Jake Gardner with Tyson Berry and Connor Brown with Alex Kerfoot. You know what I mean? Just yeah. in terms of positionally, like it's that. What an off season! You it's, know, in an off season where they were supposed to be at the mercy of the rest of the league, right? They have taken back over. I also want to point out that Craig still has his headphones on. On the bus, I, I just kind of like the look. <laughs> How about you guys? I don't know. I, was, no? I think That's you look great. Yeah, okay. it's outstanding. We will That's take such a, picture. a positive guy. Can we just have him all the time? I don't, I don't even remember who you'd be replacing. That's at this true. Point. You are a permanent member of yeah. the show, aren't you? Yeah. You're here, and whoever the other person is isn't. Oh, now you're taking your headphones shaming off. Shaming me, so I guess yeah. I should now. Peer, peer pressure. Anything else in Colorado before we move on? I can't hear you as well now. I'm sorry. What? Uh, well, my voice isn't as crystal clear when you're not wearing headphones. I understand. I, I will say I do think Colorado is going to be. That's my chair. I like to make sound effects during the show. Well, we welcome it. That drives Luke crazy. Lovely. No, that will not can, show can you up. You oil my chair. My chair needs oiling. That we have people for do, that here. Do we? Okay. Yeah. They're on the Sorry, floor. Go ahead. No, that's all right. Um, the chair banter was really what people are tuning in. It was worth it. it. Come for the chair banter. Right to you, man. Yeah. Uh, no, I think Toronto. <laughs> uh, excuse me, Colorado is going to be a really good team. I mm-hmm. thought. I thought that Kadri trade was, like you said, Luke, a better trade for Toronto than it was for Colorado. But I still think Colorado is going to be really good next year. They barely squeaked into the playoffs last year, and I don't think that's going to be the case. Well, again. their their goal. I mean, they've got a couple really good young defensemen coming up, so they probably feel good about that situation and look you can always add another defenseman at the deadline right to put you over the top their big issue was their forward depth and they added Andre Burkowski they they added Donskoy and they added Kadri so that's that's a heck of an addition Kadri's contract for I don't know where he's going to play maybe he'll be the number two center on that team but man at at that price he is a terrific center to have in your middle six yeah, and, and to be clear, I'm not saying that trade was bad for Colorado. I'm just saying that all things considered, yeah, Colorado probably improved their team this offseason, and maybe even via that trade, but Toronto definitely improved their team. And it was supposed to be this offseason for the Maple Leafs, and I guess let's transition to them now. They kept everybody. It was supposed to be, can they sustain close to what they had? They've gotten better. Yep. They needed help on defense. I mean, look at their defense now. Morgan Riley, Jake Muzzin, Tyson Berry, and then figured out after that. Exactly. You're Cody Ceci, too. Since third pairing? Yeah. I'd take him on the third pairing. Third pairing, okay. Do you remember that defense last year? Yes, I do. Either way, those top three, though. But they were able to keep Kapanen, Janssen, and, well, Mitch Marner still, uh, we'll see. But they they were able to keep the two key guys, the two young RFAs that everybody thought they were going to have to include in the trade package. Well, and they're going to be able to keep Marner, too. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's Of course they are. That's very clear now. So... 
Toronto, in a year when they were supposed to get worse or struggle to stay even, has gotten better. Yeah, they are definitely a cup contender now. They are a strong cup contender. I feel pretty confident that they will win it in one of the next two years. Mm. They would have to... I can't even imagine a way they won't win it in one of the next two years, to be honest. Uh, and I mean, any given year, anything could happen. You, somebody could get hurt or whatever. But over the next two years, unless they just keep running into Boston, which I guess is possible. But at a certain point, the, one of the teams usually gets over. Well, at a certain point, Boston's going to fall off because yep. Patrice Bergeron can't play forever, can no. he? No. And we've seen now how Brad Marchand makes line changes with seven seconds left in key periories. <laughs> I watched the replay of that the other day. It's, it's unbelievable. It's un- he's just waving to the bench like, oh, nothing could happen in the last seven seconds on an odd man rush in the Stanley Cup Game 7. Chicago. Why'd you have to go there so quickly? Because yeah, I'm trying to go in alphabetical order, except okay. Toronto. Go ahead. I'm trying to keep this show under two hours. Biggest off-season acquisitions. Andrew Shaw. Andrew Shaw. Once again, he's putting the band back together. Yeah, but not the good ones. Nope. Nope. I mean, Andrew Shaw was effective during his time. If, I'm not convinced that the time has not passed on Andrew Shaw. I'm not convinced that Oli Mata and Calvin DeHaan make this blue line significantly better than the train wreck that he fielded last season. If Stan Bowman ever tried to reunite the Beatles, it would just be Ringo and Ringo yeah, and see, Ringo and Ringo. We've talked about this, too, my theory on the Beatles, right? No. He's going to be the last surviving Beatle. Ringo? It's going to be like cruel torture to us. Oh. Well, either way. Ringo's going to linger for like 20 years beyond the others. Wow. I, we hadn't talked about that before. Okay. Well, Matt, how do you feel about it's that? out there. I don't really have... I'm not saying I want Ringo Starr to die. I want to make that very clear. Yeah. But, you know, That's what I heard. Of all the surviving Beatles to have... You agree? If you Stan, would probably lose my poll. If Stan Bowman was was reuniting the Beatles, it would just be Ringo and, and Ringo clones, right? Which is why you get Andrew Shaw back, and Dustin Bufflin stays on Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. Uh, Columbus, they've lost everybody as expected. Wow! But they added Gustav Nyquist, so they're going to miss the playoffs. They, they lost everybody, including John Davidson. How, how are you? Selling this to the fan base next season. Hey, all the feel goods from that playoff run we were on. Yeah, it's over. How do you quickly. justify this? Um, it was a disastrous offseason for them. Look, I was, I was of the three of us on this show, was the one most in favor. I should probably say least opposed to what they did last year going for it at the deadline and everything. But my thought was, and I said this on, on the podcast at the time, they're going to lose Panera no matter what. They're going to lose Bobrovsky. Maybe they can keep Duchesne. Even if they can't keep Duchesne, they're going to have cap space. So even if they lose some of these guys and they're not as good, they'll bring some guys in. All they've brought in is Gus Nyquist, which is like, it's not even the consolation prize every year. It's like the fourth prize down the list. Yeah. And they're not going to try and bring Ryan Dezingle back, I guess? They weren't, they weren't well. And granted, he didn't play well once he was there, but I still think this guy can be a consistent 20-goal scorer. I've, I've heard the Blackhawks have interest in him, actually. but I'm a big believer that, that the... The goal and the standard and the bar that gets set in different markets is is different, right? It's not every every obviously every team's goal isn't to make the Stanley Cup. If if Tam, if Tampa Bay barely made the playoffs last year, we would consider that a failure. If the Coyotes made the playoffs next year, people would rightfully be celebrating that. Yeah. I think in Columbus, it was big for them that they got into the playoffs. Big for them that they beat Tampa Bay. But the fact that all these guys are still leaving after that, and you're not using that space to go get other players, is still pretty. Pretty hard, even for the Columbus fan base. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. The very last part of that. You could foresee everything else happening. You, you knew most of these guys were going to leave, but you have to bring somebody else in. Well, they're in rebuild mode now. You know? <laughs> well, After their lengthy run. 
How's Tortorella feel? Yeah, like, yeah their lengthy two-week run <laughs> yes. through the playoffs. Yes. <laughs> Uh, Dallas. I feel like this team's going to be irritating me more and more. You know, if it had just been Corey Perry and Andre Sakara, I would have just looked at it as, okay, this is a typical Dallas offseason. This is sad. They're getting a couple guys who are probably a little too old, and it's just not going to work out. It's not going to pan out. But they got Joe Pavelski, who I love, and I still has, I think has plenty left in the tank. So I'm curious about this team. Uh, you don't have Tampa Bay on this list of 14 teams, so I'm just going to say this. There's not a player out there that fit more what the Tampa Bay Lightning mm-hmm. needed than Joe Pavelski. Mm-hmm. I mean, Tampa Bay really should have made their entire offseason focused on Pavelski, and if they couldn't get him, then Justin Williams and Joel Ward and Mark Messier. Like, they need guys that Mark perform Messier. in the playoffs, and they didn't do that. And Pavelski was perfect because he produces during the regular season. He scores goals. It's not like a fluke that he produces in the playoffs, but he does produce in the playoffs when the rest of Tampa shuts down. I'm just imagining the phone call from Julian Brisbois to Marc Messier. Hey, what are you doing? See, I'm just picturing Messier sitting back in his chair with a cigar being like, what took you so long? So you know who I am. You know what I've done. Uh, yeah, Dallas is, I, I mean, I don't, that's probably a playoff team now with Pavelski. It probably is. Pavelski unless, and unless Ben he falls and Sagan. Off the shelf, yeah. I, he's not going to. I don't think I, so. I think I, it's more likely Sagan or Ben. a playoff Bendis. performer, too. Now, here's the if Dallas somehow misses the playoffs, I could see him getting dealt at the deadline and then Ooh, that'd be exciting. Oh my goodness. I'd Pavelski, love to have Joe Pavelski at the deadline. What a move that would be. Back to the Sharks. <laughs> Back to the Sharks or to Tampa. Or or I guess more realistically, um let's see, based on what we've seen, it would be to Toronto for oh. Ben Harper. <laughs> because apparently we're all coming together to make sure Toronto wins the Oh, cup. it does feel like collusion. Go ahead. Florida. Florida. Didn't quite pull off what I was hoping they would pull well, off. Well, they, they missed on the biggest fish of all. But they cleared out all of their goalies yep. to make it crystal clear they were going to have to sign Bobrovsky because when they did, they literally didn't have a goalie on their roster. Yep. Including Roberto Luongo. Sorry, Vancouver. Sorry. Sorry about that cap recapture. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. Maybe it's next okay because you have lots of first round picks. Oh, wait. No, you don't. I don't have any. You traded yeah. one at the draft for reasons unknown. <laughs> So Florida's improvement that we were we've talked about. I mean, I don't know where you come out on this either one of you actually, but Jamie and I had sort of adopted them as our team for the podcast next year. They really only added Quenville and Bobrovsky, which is yeah, addition. I mean, some of those moves, you know, Connolly, Strawman, I don't know. They're they're okay moves. I just didn't feel like it, they they didn't get the guy that they really wanted that could have taken this over the top. But yeah. when you well, see, that's that's my question is wouldn't you agree that goaltending and maybe the addition of Joe Quinville will be the difference maker? No. No, no I don't think that, that, <laughs> that roster is good enough to, to be... I mean, it could be a playoff team. I thought they should have been a playoff team last year. But I think they're a playoff team. I think, I think they yeah. could be a playoff team, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think so too. And that's what I mean by difference maker. I mean, they finished 12 points out of the wild card behind Columbus, but Columbus is probably out. Yeah. I mean, Florida's season last year was inexplicable to me with the talent they have on that roster. Yeah, and they weren't bad, but just the East. I mean, there were teams that missed in the East that had better record than Vegas. So we've detailed that. And then look, I mean, as we get close to the season, there's a lot of teams towards the bottom of the East that are suddenly better now. I don't think it's a lock that Florida's in, but if adding Panarin and, and Quenville to a team that already had Barkov and Huberdo and Ekblad, like to me, that's not only a playoff team, it's a team you don't want to play in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And now it's just a team Tampa doesn't want to play in the playoffs because, well, it's Tampa and they would lose to them. I think you figure looking at the East, there's of the teams that made the playoffs last year, there's probably one or two 
probably two teams. Hey, don't jump that, the gun here, buddy. Well, don't jump the gun here. Okay, all right, fair enough. I was just going to make the point as it pertains to Florida, though, that, mm-hmm. that there are a couple other teams that are significantly improved. New Jersey's gotten better. New York is, is going to be in that mix. Yep. So, yeah, I think Florida is much better. It's just not a guarantee to make the playoffs. Uh, on to Nashville. They lose P.K. Subban in that trade with the Devils. All they really got out of that was room that to was buy weird. Matt Duchesne. I, I, don't, I mean, they, I don't feel like they're any better. No, they got Matt Duchesne at a fairer price than I thought they would get. But, yeah. But yeah, you lose P.K. And, and Wayne Simmons, too, but he was he was not very effective for them. And a lot of people think he's he's just too banged up now, which is a shame because I loved his game when he was healthy. I did, too. Um I don't think he's done yet. I think people are. I think people just like to to jump on when a player has a down year and they just write him off. Like, oh, he's older than twenty one, so his career's over. But with the, you know, you, uh, do you really want to sign a guy like that to significant term? No, no, I yeah. don't. But I'm just. I mean, if you're looking at what Nashville has done now, I was going more so Wayne Simmons. I think could be useful for uh, New Jersey. But mm-hmm. with Nashville, like you add Duchesne, you did need a center. You need a guy that can score. But you essentially traded Subban for him and a bunch of second round picks that who knows. Yes, so that was strange to me. I don't but, think they got know, it really yeah. noticeably better. You could have you could have done better. Uh, New Jersey has done better. Oof. I mean, talk about from a Penguins perspective, watching Jim Rutherford light the uh, the entire future of the Penguins on fire while their former GM has rebuilt New Jersey in like three years. It feels like you really in a, a week and a half. You got a top like. pair defenseman, a number one center, and a, a really gritty player who could be the kind of guy who help you in the playoffs. Yeah, and Simmons. Yeah, that's a great offseason. So you add and what that. did they lose? Nothing. Yeah. Steve Santini. <laughs> I hope they can recover from that. I thought about putting him on the list, but I couldn't quite pull the trigger on that one. It was almost more disrespectful had you put him on the list. Maybe so. Uh, Philadelphia, not anything that makes them noticeably better, I don't think. Kevin Hayes will help. Vigneault will help, I think. Yeah. Carter Hart's the biggest yeah, thing that could make he is. Just having Carter Hart return should make a big difference, I think. They did lose Radko Gudas. Oh, darn. I think Shane's calling in. Shane Doan is calling in to is talk he? about Radko Gudas. That's probably Philadelphia years. It's, it's probably Jamie again trying to buy a hat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't... I don't yeah, Philadelphia, we, we heard so often that they were going to be really aggressive this offseason. And then when you look at what they've done, you... Well, the Hayes contract was aggressive. Yeah, they aggressively <laughs> overpaid that's, Kevin that's Hayes. One adjective to describe it, not the one I would choose. Uh, okay, the Penguins. I guess I have to do this. I Here still don't have. Are. Where's I, your duck? I, I don't have my duck yet. Although I, I, why don't we have a duck yet? Well, people have. Have, have s- you even ordered the duck? I, I haven't have. slept in a week and a half. Oh, that's true. I don't even know we, where we, I am. For our listeners who don't know, Luke has been doing the morning show and the evening show. Yeah. So they're basically working him what. 40 hours in a day? I don't know. I, I get this break something like that, that I'm spending like that. with you guys yeah. right now. This is a break? So, well, okay. kind of. I'm, how do, I'm how do you feel about that? What do you What do you think, Matt? Double is that a compliment? That we're or? even recording. Anytime you're hanging out with me, it's a break. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. It's like a vacation. It's I, a staycation. I really don't know how to interpret either of those, so let's just move on. This will not be a staycation for me talking about the Penguins, <laughs> who have added... Well, first, let's start with the losses. Ole Mata and Phil Kessel. Okay. Seemed inevitable that they were going to lose Kessel, and Mata has never been the same since he got hurt. Yep. Add Dominic Cahoon. I could see some value there. Sure. Add Alex Galchenyuk. Okay, I mean, he's a step down from Kessel, but I I do think Galchenyuk, in the right situation, can still take off in this league. Take off, you know, maybe be a 30-goal guy, not like take off, take off. And drumroll, please, for with all the cap space that they made available, they got Brandon Tanev. 
Where's your duck? It's a good thing I don't have a duck today because yeah, I would need a second duck after I ripped that one in half. Uh, I don't think we talked about Tanev on the podcast last week, but I know we talked about him off the air he's before the Penguins fine, signed him. But not for that money. And, and the term, they signed him through like the end of the century. Yeah. Bottom six player. Seriously, what is Jim Rutherford doing? I don't know. It, it, I was going to ask you that, actually. That was my primary question to you on the Penguins. His reputation when the Penguins got him. And remember, the only reason they got rid of Shiro is because they were underachieving in the playoffs, which wasn't his fault. I mean, their winning now is based on the team Shiro be, uh, built yep. prior to leaving. And look, Rutherford made some decent moves when he first came in, right? He tweaked some things and did Ke- okay. Castle. Yeah, well, okay. That was a pretty big piece. Yeah, it was huge. No, it, yeah. I don't. They don't win the Cup in 2016 without Phil Kessel. They probably don't in 2017, but they de- he could have won the Conn Smythe in 2016. Yeah. That's how big he was. But since then, his reputation when Rutherford was hired by the Penguins was, this guy will help you in the moment, but then scorched earth afterwards. <laughs> it's like he's going out of his way to make sure they're scorched earth afterwards. I would have rather just held on to the money than had Tanev. Yeah, you made that point clear uh, before they even did this. Bef- yeah, before he was even remotely was linked to the Penguins. the only thing you said about Brandon Tenev. I'd just rather hang on to the money. For- I'd rather do nothing than get Brandon Tenev. Yes. That is and, what you said. And now that Pittsburgh has signed him, and that, <laughs> the Penguins weren't even in that conversation we were having. Nope. Now that Pittsburgh has signed him, I stand by it. <laughs> oh, that's depressing we're for done. you. Yeah, it really is. Thanks. Welcome to my world. Uh, the Sharks have added nobody. They kept Carlson and lost everybody else. Yeah, they lost Pavelski, they lost Donskoy, they lost Nyquist, too. Eh. But I, they're not better. They're not a better team. No. I, I posed this question to somebody else the other day. Would you have rather, if you're the Sharks, would you have rather kept all your forwards or kept Eric Carlson? As long as they keep Tamu Meyer, I would rather have Carlson, I, I think. I think so, too, yeah. But That's they a, paid him a lot. They did pay him a lot. It's a longer-term view, right? Pavelski is he's not young and the other guys yeah I, I like Donskoy but beyond that I, yeah that that would be the move I'd make I just don't think San Jose is better than the team that left the ice so I wonder what happens to a team like this that I think do they have 93 points 103 points is that what it was 103 points yeah 103 points what happens I, we'll talk we'll get to this in a minute that's just my tease for our look at the east and the west I forgot we were doing after that. all the moves here we go um, I we're going to hold off on the Rangers though till Rick comes on, right? Unless sure. You, do you want to talk about him briefly here? No, nah, we'll talk about him with Rick. Okay. Uh, Toronto, we already talked about, and the fourteenth team that Craig deemed worthy of being put in this conversation, the Winnipeg Jets, who have added nobody and have lost Kevin Hayes, Jacob Truba, and Brandon Tanev. Well, they added Neil Pionk. Oh, you're right. Hold on, I write Sorry. that in. I'll just Sorry. you know Let what that went off. I'll take this pen and write it on the computer screen because that's how important it is. <laughs> I don't know what the Jets... There's another team that I wonder about. What's going to happen to Winnipeg? Everyone assumes, oh, Winnipeg's an elite team. Well, if you watched them over the second half of last season, they were not elite at all. They were struggling. Their their underlying numbers were not good, and everybody was pointing it out in the analytics community. Well, they just got worse. Yeah, they did. That probably would have been... My pick, I can if we have to make a pick in July, is the Maple Leafs to win the Cup. I probably would have gone with Winnipeg or Vegas to make the Cup from the West. Winnipeg, because if you look back at last year, were they losing seven to St. Louis in the first round? I mean, they were right there with St. Louis. That, you, they got a bad draw in the first round. Both those teams did, playing each other in the first round. I still think Winnipeg, we could look at last year and, and wash it away and just be like, okay, that was a tough draw in the first round. They're still dangerous in the Western Conference, except they just lost Truba and Hayes mm-hmm. and have added nothing. 
And now all of a sudden those mistakes they were making in the second half last year seem a little more relevant. Yeah. And they've got some players that are getting up there. Dustin Bufflin's 34 years old. I can't believe that, but... Like six more years, he'll be back on the Blackhawks. Blake Wheeler's 32. I don't know. I don't know where this team goes. I'm not convinced that it's going to fall apart right away, but... Yeah, I mean, they still have that top-line talent. They do. Right? I mean... Yeah, I love Mark Scheifele. I just love that guy. He's a terrific player. Yeah. But... Yeah. I don't know. There's there's something wrong here. There's something wrong with this team. What is this line team that we've been expecting to break through for so long? They they really haven't got that close. Well, I mean, yeah. they were they were in the conference finals two years ago, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, like I said, if they hadn't lost Truba and Hayes, and I'm not that high on Hayes, but he's he's something. I mean, you lost him, and if you factor in what you traded for him at the deadline, like you. You need to get something back. Mm-hmm. Look, at Toronto and Winnipeg were basically in the same situations heading into the offseason, and Toronto really should have been in even more of a dire situation, and they somehow got better, and Winnipeg has definitely gotten worse. Any other teams we want to hit on here before we look at the conferences? I mean, Craig has submitted his 14 teams for conversation. I just want to make sure Matt doesn't yeah, I mean, I feel else. like I've done my work here. <laughs> All right, let's start in the East Tyler here. Myers, too, by, by the way. We didn't... We didn't mention him oh, did yeah. we? signing with the Canucks. That's true. That's yeah. true. Okay, so this is how we're going to do the East. Two playoff teams from last year that could fall out and two playoff teams that could jump in, right? Are you guys okay with this format? I'm yeah, great I just threw it out there and nobody said anything. Yeah, that, probably said things to each other usually about what a dumb sign. format this was, yeah. but you never said it to me. No, so we're going to record the real podcast after. Okay, good to know. Uh, I'll go first, I guess. I'll okay. go Pittsburgh and the Islanders. <laughs> no, actually, I'll go Pittsburgh and Columbus. Could drop out. Yeah, if I have to pick two, that, those would be my choices as well. well this yeah. is so boring. I'm not I mean, the I'm same not, choices. I don't hate Pittsburgh as, as much as maybe others would. I mean, they still got a ton of elite talent on that team. I hate them after watching them in the playoffs last season. Yeah. Fair enough. They were god-awful They don't the have playoffs. as much as uh, that elite talent now is just Crosby. Columbus is definitely I, Yeah, I mean, if I had to you know go to Vegas and put money on which team I think is going to be out, the, the only one I would feel safe about putting money on would be Columbus. Yeah. I mean, I think all uh, those other seven teams all have a, all have mm-hmm. a solid chance. The other thing too, I mean, the, the bottom of the each East was so bunched up last year. Like Columbus, ninety eight points, but they only got in by two points over Montreal. Pittsburgh, a hundred points, only got in by four points over Montreal. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So there's there's not much margin for error. Even if you don't think it's going to be Montreal, um, if I have to pick two teams that are getting in, I'm going with Florida and the Rangers that missed from last year. That miss from last year, I'm going to go with uh, New Jersey and Florida. Oh, not the Rangers? No, nope. I don't think they're quite there yet, but I like their offseason. Really? Okay. I think it'll take them just a little time. I think it'll take them about 82 games to get there. <laughs> I think Florida and I don't know. I think You don't think New Jersey's a playoff team? Uh, I think more than two teams that missed this past year are going to get in. Okay. Because, I, I mean, if you want me to go... Realistically, I think the Islanders, Penguins, Hurricanes, and Blue Jackets, none of those four are safe. I think pretty pretty confidently I can tell you the Capitals, Bruins, Lightning, and Maple Leafs will make it. But I think there's four spots up for grabs. That's fair, too. Carolina, I, I wonder, will they sustain this? I there are a lot of people wondering that. I don't think they will. And what do you guys think? I mean, what do you guys think of Philadelphia? Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, that's that's a team that I think a lot of people scratch their head on because they, they've got a lot of really good players over there. And if if Carter Hart is the solution to their goaltending issue, yeah, they that, could have a really strong season. Yeah, because yeah, they do have good pieces on their blue line as well as up front. Wouldn't yeah. shock me. 
Well, honestly, would not shock me if the Devils, Rangers, Flyers, Panthers, all maybe not all four, but if three of them snuck in next okay. year and they all missed last year. But let's go one step farther here. Who's definitely missing in the East? Definitely missing? Oh, you mean like not teams that not made a it chance last year. of making the playoffs? Ottawa and Buffalo. Okay, and, and Detroit. Detroit. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we've now named every team in the Eastern Conference one way or the other. Yeah, well, that's uh, not bad. Over in the we're West, here. we are very, if nothing else, we're thorough, which is evidenced by this three-hour podcast we're doing today. Somebody else go first in the West. I went first in the East. Go ahead, I can start in the West. You're the guest. Yeah, so starting with the two teams that are out. Two teams that made out. it last year that will drop out. I'm not convinced that there's going to be two teams that fall out. I Ooh. think there might be one. There might be one. And if I had to pick who it is, I think it's Dallas. But I could very well see a scenario where the same eight teams make it again. I know Coyotes fans don't want to hear no, that. No, I, I could too. I said I think I said this to you guys when we were talking about this, that the West doesn't feel like it's that change to me because when I look at teams that I definitely think are going to miss, I got LA, Edmonton, Anaheim, and Vancouver definitely going to miss the playoffs. And I think Minnesota and Chicago are going to miss the playoffs. So we're right back in the same boat. I think the landscape of the West has changed a little bit in the sense that a lot of teams have gotten better. Like I think I said earlier, I think Colorado's gotten better. Mm-hmm. I think Arizona's gotten better. I think Chicago's gotten probably nominally better, but not enough to get into the playoffs. Yeah, I'm just looking because what Matt said sort of hits home. Like I look at those eight teams, and I don't see any of them of where I look at them. Like that team's dropping out. Uh, Dallas would have been my pick until they went out and got Pavelski. Um, maybe Nashville, just because they had nothing to them last year, but they finished with 100 points. Although that's what Pittsburgh had, and we already were saying they're going to miss in the East. Uh, but this is but the they made an addition. Nashville made an yeah. addition, so that, he'll help them. But this right. is well, but yeah, yeah, he will. But I mean, they lost Subban, so it's like Matt was saying earlier. Like you can't, you can't just add Duchesne to what they had. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say this though: there's a lot of times we look at, at a conference, we're like, oh, probably seven or eight of those are going to get back. Last year, three new teams just in the West made it. It's like just the way things go, always turnover. Yeah. Yep. I, so if I have to pick two teams to miss. Is there any way San Jose would miss? I I wonder about them. I mean, the blue line is so good, right? Yeah. But are they that great up front? And they just lost the heart and soul of the team. And Martin Jones wasn't really very good last year. No. So I could see San Jose slipping. Will it be far enough to miss the playoffs? 101 points, by the way, last year, since I was wrong on both of my guesses. Hmm. Um, I, so wonder I could see them slipping. I don't know if it's going to be far enough to fall out of the playoffs and I, again i go back to i wonder what happens to winnipeg this year they only had 99 points that is true it, it is remarkable how many teams just kind of had okay seasons mm-hmm. in the west and made the playoffs last year i wonder about st louis too mm-hmm. i know that's maybe a little bit of a hot take they just won the cup but how does jordan bennington do in the second year and mm-hmm. how does the parody you know maybe the improvement i guess is the better word of other teams in the west how does that affect st louis's point total true the west feels much more wide open in terms of the top teams. You know, I don't know how that order is going to shake out. Mm-hmm. Who's who? When you look at the West now, who do you say are definitely the elite teams? Vegas. Two, yeah. yeah, Vegas. I love. That's it. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's another elite team. Do you? No. Um, I think Colorado's close. Am I too high on Colorado here? No, I mean, I, like I really their additions. like that. We'll roster. see. I mean, they, they I only won 38 team. games last year. I mean, the Coyotes won more games than Colorado last year. I I, I want to see if they can take that quantum leap. Sometimes you have those. Speaking of T-shirts, uh, non-linear progression seasons mm. oh. like Calgary had You're turning into a few jumping. years ago where we thought, oh, here, here comes Calgary, and then they slipped out of the playoffs, so then jump back in, and then they slip back out again. We'll see if Colorado can sustain this. Do people know we call Jamie Jummy off the air? I don't. 
They do now. Okay. Well, I didn't know if we'd called him that on the air before. Sure. I didn't even know that until like yesterday. Oh. So well, we just call him that because and Matt, he can't... being an avid listener of the podcast, doesn't miss <laughs> so a minute. If, so if he hasn't heard it, then nobody. Well, so. we just call him that. Why do we call him that? Because he can't spell our names on. Oh uh, yeah, I listen all the time. <laughs> I talk right over you. So it doesn't matter. Um, is it just because he can't spell our names in text form? Is that the problem? So we just started calling him Jummy. I don't even remember. Yeah, I think that's what it was. I guess I will go with. I guess Dallas has to be one of them if you're looking for a team that could drop out because I don't think it's going to be Colorado. Man, I guess Dallas and Nashville would be my teams. Ooh, Nashville. Um, I can't see Nashville missing. But you never know. If you want two teams I think can jump in, I will say Chicago and Arizona. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those would be my two picks. I'm pretty sure Minnesota's not a playoff team. I hope not. Not with quotes like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, but see, Craig, if they're like a lizard that uses its tongue to get what it's trying how to does, do. How do the wild capitalize on this for marketing? Uh, lizard. What do we do? There's, Maybe they just try and sweep that under the rug and pretend I, it never happened. Yeah. Of course, the quote came from the official team account, which surprised me even more. Like they typed it out? Yeah, they typed it out. <laughs> Unless he was like standing over their shoulder when they were about to tweet it and saying, yeah, go with that. I can't believe someone in their social media department didn't say, do we want to put this out? Where is the tweet that we got on that? We got a great tweet from one of our listeners. Did we? Yeah. Oh, that's, that's your job. Luke. All right. I'll Sorry. find it while you guys don't do, just don't do anything. Um, I bring quick. the bagels and coffee. Oh, yeah, that's true. You probably saved me today. Let's uh, let's quickly do the West. So we're going to be close to two hours on this show. Mm. West, we're finished with the West. Are we going to do a couple of uh, listener questions? Sure. Okay. I've got 550 of them. Okay. Yeah, you do. By the way, can you tell people what you're looking at right now? This is a, a list of printed questions. It's, it's three pages like a dossier. Deep. Yeah, it is. I came in a portfolio. Yeah. This, <laughs> these aren't even the ones that people responded to Craig's tweet that you should send us questions. Oh, so you're ignoring those people because it was my tweet? Those are next. Oh, okay. But I had to separate these because these are the ones that were just floating around. This is the half-hour segment of the show that we call Listener Questions. We should should make this a separate podcast this week, just the (laughs) Listener Questions. Seriously. Uh, Dustin Rayhorn sending us each shirt mock-ups. We're getting a decent amount of shirt mock-ups. We're going to do a shirt. We have an applause drop. Oh, no, we don't have any drops, do we? You hear that? Thank you, Dustin. That was that. that was good work. Serious shout out. That was good work. It really was. Yeah. For all you know, we're standing up and clapping. We're not, but we did all clap. I uh, stood. Look at that, Matt, just leaving us behind. He was checking his phone actually. Uh, a couple responses to the actual poll we had. Tara writes in, "My vote was bought for very little. I just asked Wait, him to who? stop irritating me." Who's that? Uh, yeah. I, don't, who, I, don't, who, I have no idea who that person is. You don't is. know who that person no, is? No okay. idea. Because it's funny, because at the end, the last sentence is, I just asked him to stop irritating me, and that seems like somebody you might know. I don't know. That's <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's great. Was there, were there any responses to that? Um, I don't. I can't look that up. Okay. I've got three different pages of questions okay. here. I don't know who this Tara person is. Was there a response? Get mentioned on the show again after that comment. I, I, well, she doesn't listen, right? Mm-hmm. We know she doesn't listen to the I'm show. I'm certain she doesn't listen or read. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, Joseph, right. This is all in response to the, the poll question of which T-shirt we should make. No, where's your duck with a penguin is the only true answer. I agree. I I agree. Thank okay. you for saying it. Um, you know, I know that nonlinear progression won. I really think I, I suspect Jamie, that. Yeah, I yeah. think he stuffed it. He, he somehow he, he manipulated. Got oh. some, there's some Russian interference there. <laughs> We're going to make both. We're going to make both. Uh, Eric Van wrote in with a couple write-in candidates. Someday we'll have T-shirts. Where is the sound drop at? Thank and, you. Uh, napkin Thank Jamie. Thank you. I agree. Also, no well, Canada. Not Napkin Jamie. Oh. And the no Canada. Card. Wow. I yeah. didn't even think of that, that one. I'm surprised so nobody's made that shirt. 
Uh, Cheryl writes in, I listened to the most recent podcast on the way home from work. I would totally buy a bunch of Where's Your Duck t-shirts and send them to my friends at home in Pittsburgh just to confuse the living daylights out of them. What what defines a bunch? You, you need to answer that for us on Twitter so we know how many t-shirts to make. Yeah, because that yeah. one's definitely getting made. I already have the design no, in absolutely. mind. That's happening. You've got to pick a color, too. Well, got well I mean, it's penguin color, so really, right? Uh, has to be, doesn't I guess. It? Maybe not. It could be white. It could be with, neutral. Uh, could yeah. be the show. What are the show colors? Do we have show colors? We really don't, actually. That's something we need to think we'll about. Design that, too. Okay. Okay. What do you think, listeners? What should be our show colors? No teal. No teal. Teal huh? is out. Well, wow. the logo has been the, out for a while. The logo on the Twitter account is red and blue and white and yellow. Yellow and orange. It has every color. Yeah, but that we just had a child create that for us. Hey, so. I created that. <laughs> oh, that's right. I'm sorry. <laughs> So like you said, a child. <laughs> I, wow, this is you're going to fit in here. Uh, we're probably going to redo the logo, too, so it's more simplified and streamlined so we can slam it on the side of the shirt. I got a lot of work to do. I just uh, made for myself. Los Coyote Steve, I actually just bought a duck toy for my dog simply so I can walk around saying, where's your duck around the house? <laughs> I love that. Champion. I love that, yeah. yeah. Los Mark Coyote Steve, all automatically in the Natty Hattie Hall of Fame. Yep. Uh, Victor writes in, Hockey News said that Arizona is a good market for Kessel because there are no crackpot journalists there. Ken Campbell, meet Jamie Eisner. Also a good tweet. I thought that was a huge compliment to me, too. I, w- I was really flattered that he does not think that I am a crackpot. <laughs> crackpot. There are um, no crackpot journalists. What is a crackpot journalist? I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't sound like a positive term, though. So. It doesn't sound like me, so that's for sure. A quasi-compliment, I guess? Not even quasi. Just... Just a compliment. Yeah, we're not crackpots. Thanks. It's like a backhand. Thanks for compliment. defining us by what we're not. But Jamie is. Well, that's true. But. Yeah. And basically, it's a tweet that says we're better than Jamie. That's all I wanted. Okay. I should have just read it that way. I should yeah, have paraphrased. Yeah, should have just made that clear. We're going to start over. Victor writes in, you guys are better than Jamie. Is that, that make okay. it easier? Okay. Thank you, Victor. Yep. I'll uh, agree. Mitch writes in, if Doan still works for the NHL and the competition committee, wouldn't you think that he would have had an issue with the Coyote schedule? He uh, doesn't control no, that. Shane Doan didn't have any say in that. Shane Doan is uh, is connected around the league, though. He is, but he doesn't have any say in the schedule. I'm not sure anybody has any say in the schedule. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, Chris writes in, with the Yotes up against the cap, do you see them moving a player to open up more space? And if so, who? I still can't believe I just asked that. No. Well, that's good. We need the one-word answers because so we got we a lot of We don't have to worry about the player that they'll acquire because they're not going to free up cap space. Mm. Let's see. At least not now. Who knows about the deadline? All right. Hold on. I've got and who knows if some great player becomes available or some useful player becomes available right before camp, say, like a Jason Demers. Remember that when Demers showed up like two days into training camp? Yeah. They made that trade. That was wild. That you never was, see stuff like that. Forget that that even happened. Yeah. And then we got Jason Demers, which, you know, we had no idea at the time just how much fun it was going to be. Probably the most fun guy to interview on this team. Right up there. I like Richie. Christian Fisher is actually a really good interview. Kevin Connaughton was great. Connaughton, yeah. I'm going to miss Kevin Connaughton. Uh, Eldon, is the Coyotes draft strategy just some guy throwing darts at a map and then selecting a guy from that country? Well, I feel like they've done okay since Chaika took over. Pretty sure that's not the strategy. Now, there are teams that might be the strategy. In fact, I, I ran a really detailed story on there, how they run their draft, how they do their scouting and their draft, the entire process. Yeah. You can it's, read that. It's it's actually pretty enlightening. Pretty intricate. Yeah. 
Bobby Big Wheel writes in. Bobby in an Big Wheel. Alternate universe where the Coyotes never left America West Arena. Wow, throwback name. I too. like this question, actually. And held on to Kachuk and Roenick until the end. Where are the Coyotes now on ice success and market pecking order wise? See the response to that? My response to that? I have to read your response. Yeah, I think you should. This is so demeaning. If we're not going to have drops, you should at posts. least read my response. And Matt is going to make harp sound effects while you do it. I am not going to do that. Okay, you can't yes. do that? Okay. Because I forgot so, my harp. Okay, my bad. We I should have reminded you. very clearly said Podcast Wednesday. That sh- scream, bring your bring harp. Bring harp. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, this is from Craig. Ooh. Nice use of the word ooh. I like this one. In a perfect world, Luke would have a drop ready with harp music signaling our voyage into this alternate universe. Well, Craig, the joke's on you because I don't have any. (laughs) And I'm now reading this for the first time. (sighs) So if they had hung on to Kachuk and Roenick, go go back. Okay, so hang on to to those two guys until their careers played out. That's what we're saying? Yes. Okay, I guess they would have made the transition to Glendale, so they would have had better players when they went to Glendale, but... The biggest problem was that they went to Glendale. Yeah, I mean, the biggest they started issues. losing money hand over fist. They were, I mean, they were okay at America West Arena. They started losing tons of money, like thirty-five million dollars a year, kind of money. I guess so. I'll speak for Bobby Big Wheel here, and maybe this is. Did wrong. he have him stay in downtown? Yeah. Well, yeah. He okay. said never left so America West Arena. Downtown. Here's the problem with staying downtown: they were a tenant in the arena, and at that point, when they came to Arizona. Payroll was such that they could sustain it based on the revenues they were getting out of the arena. But when they were looking to move, there was a reason behind that. They could no longer sustain the model because payroll was climbing so high. They needed a new home. And then that whole mess with Scottsdale, it fell apart. Richard Burke sold the team to Steve Ellman, and then we had a 10-year odyssey. Here we are. hopefully culminating with Alex Morello. Saving everybody. Saving everybody. Um I I do think I mean look this is a this is Phoenix Arizona baseball is huge here the NFL is huge everywhere and the Suns were the first team here so as much as I love hockey over all the other sports I still think they'd be the fourth team in this market if they were downtown but I think it would be a lot closer and I do think it would be a scenario where if I still I actually think this is it applies even if they're in Glendale if they're winning to me, the biggest thing is winning. Yeah. If, you, if you have playoffs to point to, yes. the Western Conference Finals. I mean, people around here that people are win. people people that aren't even hockey fans still talk about the Western Conference Finals. Mm-hmm. Dude, that was seven years ago now. So, are you saying downtown in their own arena though, or in Talking Stick Resort Arena? Sorry, I hate that name so much. Yeah, it's it's too many. It's one too many words. It is. I w- so playing there or playing in their own arena downtown? Well, own arena, I guess. I would ideally. have had to have been their own arena. I will simply say location and winning are all that's holding this team back. Or even if it had been Scottsdale. Yeah, they Scottsdale's built the, fine too. the arena in Scottsdale. First of all, Richard Burke wouldn't have sold the team had they landed that arena. So that would have changed things dramatically as well. Yeah. Uh, George, look in your crystal ball and predict how successful the Coyotes' penalty kill will be this season versus the ridiculously overperforming shorty fest that highlighted last season. Also, please limit hot dog jokes to three total for that- Phil. I think the PK will still be good. They still got most of the key personnel coming back. You got Grabner, Richardson. You got the same blue line coming back. You lose Scott Allen, but I don't see any reason why I would take a big step back. Maybe fewer shorthanded goals. I yeah, guess. Yeah, and but. I think that's that's probably the issue here. Is everybody's going to measure the success against the last year's success? Right? They're going to expect the same thing. Well, sixteen shorthanded goals is insane. That's an anomaly. That's probably not going to happen again. If they can finish, you know, top seven, eight in PK percentage again. You're fine. You're fine. 
That's the biggest thing for me because there's still a team that's that's built to try and win lower scoring games. So your penalty kill has to be in, at least in the top tier of the league. They're not going to score 16 shorthanded goals. Even just hearing that number, it's it's absurd. It's crazy. But I mean, they do still have Brad Richardson and Lawson Kraus and, and Michael, Michael Grabner. Grabner and and I mean, I'm assuming Grabner will be. I don't know if he was 100 percent at the end of last year, but I'm assuming he he'll be pretty close this when the season starts. Yeah, as, as close as he's ever going to get. Like, yeah, whatever healing the that eye has done is it's finished at this point it's as good as it's going to get but his again his anticipation the way he uses his stick and then the speed Speed. once he gets the puck it's a fast hockey team he's the best penalty killer i have watched there have been guys who score you know you remember those great oiler teams how deadly they were on the pk because they were they were going for it all the time but the whole combination of positional play his anticipation and then what he does once he gets the puck. He's the best I've watched. It's it's so much fun to have that element. It's something that I you know, had I probably didn't have enough appreciation for because I hadn't seen an element like that added to a team. Mike writes in uh, what's wrong with Paul Fenton? Should he make any decisions right now? What is the Wilds' plan? Five years for Zook? What the hell does a lizard tongue have to do with anything? All valid questions. Uh, I have no answers. Yeah. I'm not sure anybody does. Uh, Domsky writes in who makes the last two roster spots. I'm assuming that's for the Coyotes. Last two? Yeah. I think there's a good chance, a really good chance Barrett Hayden makes this. But they have to make sure if well, – and I'm sure they've already talked about this. They've already made this decision. If Barrett Hayden makes this roster, it has to be in a regular role. He can't be a guy who's going back and forth from the press box. That doesn't help his development. He's yeah. got to play. So that means he's he's a regular in your lineup, and you have to believe in him as a regular in your lineup over uh, you know that – uh, Christian Fisher, Connor Garland mix, whoever that extra guy is going to be. But in terms of the other forward spot, it's going to be a two-way player. It's, it, it might be a revolving door of players. You know, It has to be someone who who can handle that role of sitting in the press box most games, and they probably don't want to do that to a player for an extended period. So it might be guys going down to Tucson, somebody else comes up, you'll just see this revolving door of players. Yeah. Uh, and that kind of answers Loyal Sif's question of, do you think Chaika's done? Loyal Sif, who showed up at the brass tap, He did, by the way. so I will always read his questions. I don't Forgotten. know, you, you're I'm the one that picked it. already, but after that, Hefeweizen. Hey, you, got, you got your Hefeweizen somewhere oh, yeah. else, though, over the weekend. I did, thanks to Jamie. And also, I should point out... Thank you, Jamie. The, we don't say it enough. Actually, we never say well, it. Yeah, enough. you said it too much right okay. there. Uh, Barrett Hayton, I, it's just a prospects game. I thought he looked really good in that game. He, how much he's bulked up? It bulked up, but isn't too bulky. But he just, I mean, again, it's against prospects, so let's not go crazy here. But he controlled that entire game every time he was on the ice. He seriously did some work in the gym, though. I was He, he looks like a different person. Yeah. That was impressive to see him. I, we'll see if it works out on the ice. But John Schleicher was talking about that. I don't, I don't remember the number off of the top of my head, so don't quote me. But I think he said he gained, I want to say, 16 pounds. And it was 8% body fat. He's like 200 pounds over 6 feet tall. I mean, he's a big, strong, heavy, muscular guy who can yeah. also move. You Make sure you quote Matt Lehman to other people when you say that. Don't do that. And also... Never quote me on anything. Okay. I'm extremely unreliable. <laughs> he also... Well, that's why you're here. He also... I think he put on more weight in a year than Pierre-Olivier Joseph has put on in like the last three years. It's crazy, isn't it? That poor guy can't put on any weight. I don't know. I'm I mean, really curious to see what he becomes when he finally fills out because he's God, he's just the best best kid. Yeah, he is, and I, I think he's. I mean, he's going to get opportunities in Pittsburgh. I think he's ultimately going to uh, to thrive there. Um, Mike, real quick, this might be the last one we can fit in. I do appreciate all the questions. There's a lot of them. Actually, I have to get. We might come back to Mike. I have to ask. Yeah, a one. couple minutes. If the report of Peter Chiarelli, this is from Kevin. If the report of Peter Chiarelli being bought 
brought on by the Canucks as an advisor or something is true, could that mean he's Chiarelli's the organization and we could trade Osterley for Pedersen? <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. No, he's it, only an advisor. He's yeah. not pulling the trigger on It would have things. to be probably Goligoski for Pedersen. I feel like Jamie should have answered that question, though. No, well, he's in Kansas City with... Allegedly. Who knows who. Mike's question was, name the top three bad contracts of this free agency bad season. Bad contracts. He, he did say insert drop, but we don't have one. Actually, no, that's true. We do have one. I have that drop. Who, in your mind, are the worst contracts of this offseason? I think Kevin Hayes is yeah, up there. Hayes. Definitely number one. I'm trying to think now. I have to go um, back. Yeah, that might be one we have to like look deeper into for yeah. next week. Yeah. But that's... Uh, well, Tanev's not making a ton of money, but you mentioned the term on him. He's getting paid for a long time. Yeah, that, yeah, actually, that's a good point. Tanev is the worst contract. That was <laughs> the dumbest thing anybody's ever done. Up until last year when the Penguins signed Jack Johnson. Oh, boy. Skinner? Yeah. I, I don't want to call I mean, he's a, a good player. Contract. He is. Yeah. He scores 40 goals. Right. But he's a wing making $9 million, and he's a, a sort of a one-dimensional wing. It's probably slightly too much, just not way too much. Yeah. A uh, couple que- uh, Coyotes questions here before we get to the, the Rangers. Cam writes in, do you know how the Coyotes feel about Christian Fisher? What's your take on him right now? I mean, I, I my thought is they like him. They want to see him develop. He's still extremely young. But if they were offered a good deal for him, he would be available. Um, and like Craig said, he's probably at least started the season with the way the second half went last year. He's one of those forwards in that 12 13 forward 14 range that's fighting for playing time from night to night so if he starts off hot then he's not going to be in the press box but if he struggles for a little bit maybe garland's playing and he's in the box or somebody else is playing and one they're both in the box or whatever that's my thought on fisher yeah i think that's a fair assessment of how it'll go but they're you know they're still hoping look it was a disappointing season for christian fisher he i don't it was nonlinear progression right yeah but i think tox still sees a lot of good in him tox sees himself in Christian Fisher, in terms of the skill sets, a lot of the skill sets. So I think he thinks there's potential there still. We got a lot more. I'm just going to read this last one from Hockey Fan. Any worry that if Kessel relapses into a player that takes plays off, that it could affect the young guys and the effort they give? Uh, parentheses, particularly Keller, who seemed to do that at times last year. I, I would hope, I mean, the buffer I would give, especially with Rick Tockett as your coach, if you're going to be a player that does that, you're only doing that as a rookie or maybe a second-year player. And the only rookie that's going to be on this team is potentially Hayton. I don't see Hayton doing that. I would hope guys aren't taking plays off defensively. Yeah. We did see it last year. Can't see it again I would this hope year. Kessel's not taking plays off defensively. Yeah, I mean, I, he didn't do that a lot in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I don't know. You know, you never... Right? There's a lot of... Yeah baggage that gets attached to a player that may not be fair well let, let's we'll let's see. wait and see how it works out yeah we have the luxury of seeing it here firsthand okay i think we're all in agreement one of the most interesting if not the most interesting teams this offseason has been the new york rangers so we are joined now by rick carpinello of the athletic in new york to talk about the remarkable turnaround of this team rick first of all thanks for the time my pleasure. I'm guessing you expected to see some some big additions this offseason. Obviously, you guys, they didn't know that they were going to have that success in the draft lottery and move up to number two, but did you expect this quick of a turnaround for this team? Well, I've been writing about Panarin for since, probably since last summer, <laughs> so I did expect them to be heavy into that, and I thought they'd be all in. I didn't think they would get outbid um, and still get him, but they, but they did get him. Um, you know, we, we were we had an idea that Kravtsov and Shesterkin and Rykov, these three uh, Russian guys, were, were going to come in. They're top prospects. Uh, we're going to come in this to North America this summer. 
Um, but obviously, uh, the getting, winning the lottery and getting the number two pick and getting Capo Caco, uh, that changed the whole tone of the rebuild, in my opinion. And it changed the, changed the tenor of the fans. Um, the fans are, are all in now with this rebuild. And um, or now we're calling it a build because that's what the New York president, uh, John Davidson, said. <laughs> but uh, By the way, a nice, another nice acquisition, right, John Davidson? <laughs> and that actually was a good addition because, yeah. um, you know, not only is he a really smart hockey man, but he's a guy who came in um, understanding where they were in the process and not wanting to tip the boat, uh, not wanting to make too many changes, not wanting to step all over Jeff Gordon, the general manager. And uh, it sure didn't hurt um, in the Panarin chase to have a friend of Panarin's in the front office. And oh, by the way, Jacob Truba as well, a top pair right-handed yeah. defenseman. Yeah, so. and, and, and Adam Fox. So, yes. you know, they've done a lot this summer or this offseason. And, uh, you know, I don't know if all those prospects are going to make the team right out of camp, but I certainly think uh, Kako and uh, Kravtsov will. And uh, obviously Panarin and Truba will. So, you know, it's going to be a, it's going to have a lot different look this year. Um, but but they're not done. They're not you know they're not at elite level yet. They're not at a level where you expect them to go deep into the playoffs. But we do expect them to uh, make a push to make the playoffs for the first time in three years. Rick, uh, we knew that uh, the Rangers were in on Panarin, but I think a lot of the focus was on Florida. Maybe other teams chasing yeah. him as well. You you really did have. I remember talking to you about this a couple of times, where you really had a sense that they had an excellent chance of landing him. What convinced you? Well, you know, you kept hearing that Panarin wanted to play in New York and he wanted to play in a big city, and so um, you know. But there was a time last, there was a point last week where it sounded like Florida was gonna was gonna get both him and Bobrovsky, and uh, so there was some doubt, um, and, and then there was even doubt the, the night before July first. Um, when you know the Rangers were not sure which way it was going to go, they knew they weren't they weren't going you know twelve twelve and a half million. Um, they they kind of drew their line and they were sticking to it, so they weren't sure they were getting him. Um, but you know, and I wasn't sure they were getting him, but I was sure they were going to be all in on him, and I, and I knew that you know we had heard over the years that he wants to be on a big stage, um, and certainly they were that. So uh, you know, I guess they also had to. It also helped that the direction of the franchise uh, had changed this off season, and that you know he wasn't going to a team that's definitely going to miss and definitely going to be, you know, in the mud for a couple more years. Um, so you know, I think all those things added up, and I, uh, ultimately it was his his choice to be in New York. Rick, uh, Matt Lehman here. I'm just wondering, you know, that the premise at the start of this conversation was about you know turning the rebuild into just a build and getting this team competitive and, and making a push for the playoffs. I'm wondering, in a, in a market like New York, is it your observation that that's particularly imperative? Is there such an increased hunger there, maybe compared to other markets, that a team like that doesn't have a long, drawn-out rebuild? I, you know, I, I think they're in. I think the fans are in, and I think they've been in most of the way here because they saw what happened, and it, and it was a complete teardown. I mean, they got rid of Ryan McDonough, Rick Nash, Michael Grabner, uh, Derek Sepon, Dan Girardi, Matt Zuccarello, Kevin Hay. I mean, you know, it just goes on. They they tore it down, and uh, so you know, I think that the fans kind of bought in, and they saw what they were doing. They saw these picks coming, um, and and they, and then you know they had the benefit of some of those picks really shining last year in there, you know, outside of, uh, outside of uh, pro hockey. You know, Keandre Miller at Wisconsin, uh, they think is going to be a stud defenseman. And Kravtsov had a great season in Russia. And so I think the fans are in, and I think they bought in. And I think that most of them have realistic expectations for this season that 
you know, they still have some fixing to do on the day, and they still have some uh, prospects to arrive uh, that aren't here yet and won't be here this year. And even if they are here this year, the ones that are here this year are going to be probably going through some rough patches. So I think the expectations are realistic. I don't think um, they have to make the playoffs this year. Uh, for the fans to be all in, uh, you know, it, it may, and I think the fans knew that it was going to be a three to five year thing. Yeah, I like the way they managed that too. With the, that was good marketing. Actually, they were transparent. They were honest with yeah. where they were going with it. I thought that helped. Go yeah, ahead. the letter, and you know, the rebuild actually started the summer before that with with the step on trade where they got a, they got a first round pick for their number one center and didn't replace their number one center. <laughs> so you know, I mean, that kind of signaled the start of the whole thing. Um, but yeah, the letter in February two seasons ago was uh, it was genius actually. Um, you know the fact that Glenn Sather convinced the owner to do it, um, and the owner I don't know who was behind the letter, but I think the owner's uh, office was certainly involved in it, and, and it was brilliant because it spelled it out. It said, look, we're gonna you know it's gonna be painful. We're gonna we're gonna do everything for the future. We're gonna lose our captain again. <laughs> you know that's two that was two captains in a row. Uh, that went to Tampa Bay, and <laughs> so it was—it wasn't an easy thing to do, but it was the right thing. I mean, you don't want to—you don't want to say, "Hey, you know, we're, we're trying to win the Stanley Cup this year." When you're trading guys like that, um, and you know, I think that—I think, like you said, it was a—it was a brilliant marketing uh, maneuver. Rick, with uh, with with Capo Caco, I mean, I, it makes sense. New Jersey had to go with Jack Hughes first with the uh, the top pick, but there's a lot of people that believe Caco might actually be more productive at the NHL level. What have what have you seen from him? But more, I guess, bigger. What are the expectations for that guy right out of the yeah. gate going into a market like New York? Yeah, it's funny. I, you know, I, I think they're probably going to be pretty high, even though uh, you know people who have been around hockey for a long time know that it doesn't always work that way. But you know, here's a guy who he's built more. You know, to be he's, he's NHL ready in terms of his build and the way he plays, and he's also. Uh, he also plays more to the style that David Quinn, the coach, wants uh, his team to play. You know, going through people, fighting for pucks. Uh, you know, not just being a fancy guy. And he's not just a fancy guy. He's got tremendous skill, but but he will battle you for you know for a puck. And um, I'm trying to remember who said it. I think it was Jeff Gordon at the draft. You know, remember the goal he scored uh, against Canada, the empty netter, mm-hmm. where he fought off a guy and, and really made a dive to the net. To, to score what was just an empty net goal and, and the way he battled for that puck. Um, you know, it kind of shows you what he's made of. But, he, you know, he came, to, he came into prospects camp and you know, he struggled a little bit. He hadn't been on the ice since the World Championships. Um, but, but you could see how skilled he is. And, and he, he's a very mature kid. Um, fans love him. The kid loves to, to sign autographs and take pictures. <laughs> and uh, so he's extremely popular at the prospects camp. But... Um, so the expectations, you know, I think they're all over the place with this kid. And, and I think, you know, it could be anything from, uh, you know, 18-goal season to, you know, 30-plus. But, but you know, 30-plus is probably unrealistic to put on him at this point. Turning the focus back to Panarin for a second, Rick, uh, he's going to be 28 in October. Uh, that, that's a, a healthy term that they gave him. Any concerns yeah. about that? And also, how do they expect him to... I'm sure they expect him to just take the town by storm. That's that's why you pay the kind of money in turn that you handed out to Artemi Panarin. Yeah, and they do. And, he's, and that started yesterday when he was actually in town and he was outside the garden posing with the, the marquee with his picture up on top and showing off his New Jersey with the number 10 on it. Um, but, yeah, they, they certainly, you know, the first part first, uh, I think the Rangers 
are very well aware that years six and seven of that contract could come back and bite them in the butt. And you know, but I mean, that's that's free agency now. Yeah. You know, if you want to get the guy, you've got to go six or seven years, um, and you weren't getting him with six. So you had to go seven. Uh, you hope that he's really good for the first five, and and you hold your breath for the last two. Um, but that's free agency, and and it's uh, it's a risky game. And it usually doesn't work on the back end of those contracts. It almost never does. And uh, I think they're willing to you know to bite the bullet on that. They're going to have a ton of cap space in two years when Lundquist comes off the books and uh, Stahl and Shattenkirk and. Uh, Brendan Smith, they're gonna, you know, they'll have a ton of space. They can afford to have this kid on the roster at that price. Um, but yeah, those last two years could be ugly. Yeah, but so be it. Uh, if he if he meshes with uh, Mika Zibanejad and, and they finally have a first line, which they really haven't had in a long time, um, then you know, you 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 take that, you live with it, and you suffer the consequences at the end, perhaps. Rick, last one for you. Just because you did mention the the trade with the Coyotes a couple years ago, Leas Anderson's played 49 NHL games. I know it's still very early in his career, but that's the guy they took with the pick the Coyotes traded away. What's the feeling around him uh, with the team right now? Um, You know, they're still very optimistic in him. They don't expect him to be a huge offensive guy, but they expect him to be a guy who sets a tone on the ice, who plays in the tough areas, and who has some skill. Um, He has not shown that yet. Uh, He's 20. He had a really rough first season, um, and I, you know I think it's there's probably a level of concern there, but they're certainly not giving up on him. I, I know a lot of fans have, and you know how fans are, and, and even people who are not fans, you know, you, you look at that as a number nine pick, and it's not a real high high octane offensive guy. And but you, if you also look back at that draft, uh, it's not like there were. You know, 30 and 40 goal scorers lined up right behind him that they could have taken instead, um, and then they, and then they kind of made up to it, up for it a little bit by getting with their own pick later in the draft, uh, Filipino, later in the first round. So, you know, it, it right now it, it doesn't look like a great pick, but they still think eventually uh, it will be a very good pick. Well, Rick Carpinello, you can find him on Twitter at Rick, C-A-R-P-I-N-I-E-L-L-O. Rick, thanks for the time. Enjoy the season. Should be a lot more fun now than it looked like it might be a couple months ago. Sure will. Very, very interesting. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Rick. Thanks a lot, Rick. Appreciate it. Yeah, I just I think the Rangers are, are the most fascinating team from this offseason. Yeah, they got the break of, of being able to get Kako. But, I mean, look at the development of Mika Zibanejad since he got to New York. That should be a playoff team. You add you add Kako, you add Zibanejad continuing to get better, you add, if they get anything from Anderson, you add Truba to the, the blue line. Yeah, two top-end forwards and a, a first-pairing right-handed defenseman. Yeah, that's oh, a good offseason. Oh, yeah, and Panarin. Yeah. I mean, I already felt good about two, the Rangers yeah, before yeah. they got Panarin. Yeah, exactly. So, so hmm. going to be an interesting season to watch there and just south of the Prue in New Jersey. I don't think it's a coincidence that we decided to go extra long on the week that Jamie wasn't here to just kind of celebrate... Just felt like things flowed better today. Yeah, I don't know. What this show was like without him. Thanks for that, Matt. That's a great point, guys. Thanks, Matt. Oh, that's a great point by you, Matt. Thanks. Even though we pulled you away from your desk and probably real work for like two hours. Oh no, I got nothing going on today. <laughs> it's like uh, it's like in Seinfeld where George was saying that if you want um, your boss to like you, you just gotta look angry when he walks oh, by, yeah. and then he'll think you're busy. <laughs> he closed. He opened and closed the show with Seinfeld references. I like it. All right, for Matt Lehman, for Craig Morgan, I'm Luke Lipinski. Thanks for listening to the Natural Hattrick Podcast. Bye, Jamie.